Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. God loves you. God loves you. I want that to be the baseline from this point forward in this service, the foundation in which we build on God's immense, infinite love for you. Father, I just pray right now. I pray right now for every person that is in this room and watching online. I pray that you will open every heart, that you will open every mind to do exactly what you want to do. Holy Spirit, we need you. We don't need to hear another message. We don't need to sing another song. We don't need any of that. We need you. We need to encounter a real God that really loves us in a real way. Lord Jesus, we need the tangible presence of your Holy Spirit in this room. And Lord, it is here. You are here. I thank you for what you are going to do. I thank you for what... Um, that you've already done. I thank you for the the work you've already done to bring people to this place for this moment. Now, Father, I pray, Lord, from this point forward, that you will, that you will have every word penetrate every heart. Help me to say exactly what you would have me to say, no more, no less. Lord, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray and ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible says, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God, there is healing. In the presence of God, there is peace. And, man, I believe that, that in a room... With this many people in it, there's probably people dealing with some anxiety. There's probably people dealing with some angst. There's probably people dealing with depression. In a room this big, there's health problems. In the presence of God, there's healing. There's healing. I got a, I got a call this week from Miss Phyllis. She called me, and, and um, I don't know if you guys knew. Can I share this, Miss Phyllis? Well, she got diagnosed with bone cancer. Uh, what, a year ago? Somewhere in there. And we've been praying. She came forward on Easter and we prayed over her. And she got went to the doctor and the doctor said, what did you do to your bones? <laughs> and she goes, the Lord healed me. And he said, keep it up. <laughs> That's the God we serve. He loves to heal So I just want to set the expectation today. The expectation is that God is for you and that God loves you and that we're going to build off of that. Today, I believe, just right out the gate, here in 20, 25 minutes, God help me, we're going to have a response time. And I believe that people are going to respond because the Holy Spirit's pulling them to respond. I believe that God is going to meet with people because they need the Holy Spirit in their life. I believe that. I'm not, I, I, I believe that God is working in people's hearts even now and that there is a hunger in us. You wouldn't be at church. Maybe you came to church out of habit, but the reality is some of you came to church 
because you're hungry. And you're like, God, I need you today. Well, he's here today to meet with you. And so I want to speak to you. Um, we're going to read a lot of different verses today. And, and all of it is centered around the power of the Holy Spirit. God has been doing a lot of things over the last three weeks in our church. God's been healing people. God's been showing up in miraculous ways on Wednesday night. God's been doing a lot of things. And I feel like as your pastor, I need, I need to address something. Because it's real easy to get caught up and used to God moving the way he wants to move in our life and then forget our first priority. And right at the catalyst, at the, at the beginning of what God's wanting to do in Columbia and in our church, and it's not just our church. I've talked to about three pastors over the course of the last three weeks, and God's doing something in each church that I've been talking to. God's been pouring out his spirit in each church. It's been a fresh wave, and it's beautiful. God's wanting to move in his church, not just see one. But if, if the move stays in this room, it's going to die in this room. It's going to die in this room. And so what we got to do, first and foremost, the baseline of what we got to do is found in Mark chapter 12, 29 through 31. This is the foundation for, I don't want to say revival, because I feel like revival is kind of an interesting term. Like, we use it so much in church, but when you really think about the word revival, how many of you guys would say, I want revival? Absolutely. All of us would think that. But the reality is God has already brought us from dead to life. We're already alive in Christ. He's already put his spirit in us. What I think the church needs is a revital. We need a revitalization of his spirit we can get so used to him that we forget number one priority is the love of him. And also we can get calloused to what he's doing. And I don't want us to be guilty of any of that. So I believe that this is the foundation for God to revitalize us to where we're aware of what he's already doing. He's moving. So Mark chapter 12, let's get into this. 29, it says, Jesus replied, and I'm not going to get into the story, but the, the question was to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And this is what Jesus replied. The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must, and this is the command, this is the most important command in all of the Bible. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. If Jesus is saying this is equally important, it's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So we want to have a foundation for the Spirit to move in our lives, in our church, in our community. Love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the foundation. That's the foundation. And it's real easy. It's real easy, real easy to get so accustomed to God using us, 
to God moving in our services that we forget our first love, our first priority, our first, our first mandate as a follower of Christ is to love God. It's to fall in love with Jesus. And I would hate for us to be a part of a move of God and we forget to love God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something because it's found in Numbers chapter 22. I'm going to give you an example of what it looks like. And it's also a litmus test. Because not only is it real easy to be used by God and forget to love God. And you're like, well, that can't happen. No, Jesus straight says in the last days, there's going to, at the final judgment, people are going to come before him and say, I prophesied in your name. I healed in your name. And he's going to say, away from me, you worker of iniquity. What? People could be used by God and be, th- be thrown into hell? For sure. Because they fell out of love with Jesus. And we're going to step in and we're going to see a prophet of God in Numbers chapter 22. A prophet of God. Being controlled by legalism. And if we want to move a God, one of the things that we got to be very careful with is that we operate in grace. We are not under the old covenant of the law. We are under the new covenant of grace in Christ. And we got to operate in grace if we want to let the Holy Spirit move through us. And I'm going to show you the litmus test for whether you are under the law or under grace in your life. And it's, 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 it's paramount. Because I think there are Christians today operating under the law of of God, operating under legalism, and they're calling it Christianity, and then they're wondering, why is God not moving in my life? Because you're not letting him. Because you're not supposed to be operating in what God delivered you from. And so we step into Numbers chapter 22. The baseline for everything we talk about is our love of God and love of people. I want us to get that. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Now, Numbers chapter 22, we're going to see something. So I'm I'm picking up in the middle of a conversation. This Moabite king sent messengers to this man named Balaam. And it says, to call Balaam, son of Beer, who is living in the native land of Pethor near the Euphrates River. His message said, now I want you to understand, Balaam is a prophet of God. He is a prophet of God. Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. So this is the children of Israel. There's millions of them. They're covering the face of the earth, and God gave them a land called Israel. And it's called the promised land in the Old Testament because God promised it to Abraham. And they're about to take possession of this land. And so this king, this king wants Balaam to come and curse them. So when he goes into battle to stop them from taking the land that God promised them, that he might stand a chance. He wants him to pronounce a curse. So you think cursing and blessing, that's weird. That is that real? It is. The Bible says power and life and death are in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So I bet some of us are placing curses on ourselves and we don't even realize it. We get up out of bed and oh my hips hurting, my 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 knees are killing me. You know, like I'm I'm getting old. Well, what are you doing? You're just declaring something over yourself. 
What if you said, man, praise God, I'm able to walk, and you start declaring life. I'm just saying maybe, maybe, just maybe, it might change some stuff in your life just by what we declare. So please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that a blessing... I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on any people you curse. Balak's messengers who were elders of Moab and Midian sent out with money to pay Balaam to place a curse upon Israel. They were going to bribe him like, hey, just go ahead. Use your gift for money. That's what he's saying. They went to Balaam and delivered Balak's message to him. And then Balaam said, stay here overnight. In the morning I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So thus far, so, so far so good, right? You would think like, hey, this guy's doing everything right. And that's, that's the sneaky part about the law. That's the sneaky part about legalism and religion. It makes you think you're doing everything right. So far, so good. He's going to listen to the Lord, and he's going to say what the Lord tells him to say. So the officials from Moab stayed there overnight with Balaam. That night, God came to Balaam and asked, Who are these men visiting you? Point of clarity, God knew. He wasn't like, what in the world? I'm caught off guard. God knew. It was a rhetorical question. I think the question, I, I, like, when I read this, it's almost like God's saying, why are these men still here? And we'll get into that. Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, not the lighter, um, king of Moab has sent me this message. Look, a vast horde of people, and he goes through it, and so he wants them to curse him. Let, let's keep going. But God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up and told Balak's officials, Go home. The Lord will not let me go with you. So far, so good, right? It seems good, right? The Lord will not let me go with you. So the Moabite officials returned to King Balak and reported, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balaam... Balak tried again. This time he sent a larger number of even more distinguished officials than those he had sent the first time. They went to Balaam and delivered this message to him. This is what Balak son of Zippor says. Please don't let anything stop you from coming to help me. I will pay you very well and do whatever you tell me. Just come and curse these people for me. But Balaam responded to Balak's messengers. Even if Balak were to give me His palace filled with silver and gold. I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. So far, so good, it seems like, right? But stay here one more night, and I will see what the Lord, if the Lord has anything else to say to me. That night, God came to Balaam and told him, Since these men have come for you, get up and go with them, but do only what I tell you to do. The next morning, Balaam got up and saddled his donkey and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going. Like, did God just change his mind? No. God won't violate free will. And we're going to get into this. He sent 
Um, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way as Balaam as Balaam and two servants were riding along. And so I'm going to stop right there. I, I have a dot, dot, dot. What happened is they're riding along, and three times this donkey just keeps jetting off the road. And he's like, what the crud? This donkey, this is my faithful donkey. He's beating this donkey so hard. And, and finally, the Bible says that the Lord opens the donkey's mouth. And he starts to speak to Balaam. And he says, why are you beating me so much? He said, because you're embarrassing me in front of these people. I'm supposed to go. And he said, there's an angel there. And he's going to kill you if we keep going. And finally, the Lord opened Balaam's eyes to see the angel. And the angel said, yeah, why are you beating your donkey? He saved your life because if you would have came past me, I would have killed you. And I would have spared the donkey. So we're going to pick up in verse, I think it's 34, 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Why did you beat your donkey those three times? The angel of the Lord demanded, look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. But the Lord told him to go, right? Three times the donkey saw me and sh um, shied away. Otherwise, I would have certainly killed you by now and spared the donkey. Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. So far, so good, right? I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if you are against my going. Some people can't take a hint. So what does this have to do with God loving us and us loving God and a move of the Spirit and everything like that? That's a good question. So it would appear that Balaam was serving God. I'm only, and if you keep reading, it's a beautiful story. Keep reading it. Go into Numbers 22, um, Numbers 23, and, and, and Balaam goes to curse these people. And he goes and stands over him, and all he can do is pronounce blessing. He just blesses Israel three times, and Balak is like, what are you doing? I'm paying you to curse him. And he just keeps blessing him. And, and because at the end of the day, those God bless, no man can curse, all right? Um, and God, God has blessed us because he sent his son. If you are in Christ, you are blessed. And the enemy might try to curse you, but he's powerless. But here we see Balaam saying, I'm... I can't go with you. The Lord won't let me. Even if I wanted, I can't. These words can't. The, the, I guess the thought I want to leave you with is, it's possible to serve God and not be in love with him. Balaam was a prophet of God. He said what God said, and he did what God told him to. But Balaam was operating in legalism. And if we want to be used by God in a powerful way, first and foremost, we've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, you quit saying, I can't. What are you getting at, Ryan? Balaam, Balaam should have known right out the gate 
these are God's people because he was a prophet of God. He should have known that when they came at him, they said, we want you to curse him. He should have said, go home. So when God said, who are these people here? Why are they still here, Balaam? You know better. You know better. He should have just right out the gate, he should have said, go home. I won't. There's a big difference between I won't and I can't. One is rooted in grace and one is rooted in law. And we have Christians go all the time, they'll, they'll, like when it comes to temptation or, or whatever the temptation. Um, as a student pastor, I dealt with kids looking at pornography a lot. And they would say, I can't look at this. I can't look at it. And that's the wrong heart to have. Because I can't instantly replies the op implies the opposite. When we start saying, oh, I, I, can't, I can't do that because God told me not to. Well, that tells me that I want to do that, but God's restraining me. That's the law. The law tells you what you can't do. And then offers no help for you to not do it. So if we're walking around in our relationship with God, and here's the litmus test, and we're, and we're operating in I can't, you are operating in legalism because it's restraining you. What, what, what we need to pray as the Holy Spirit starts to move in our life, we need to pray that we fall in love with Jesus, that our, our can'ts turns into won'ts, or, or I want to serve God. You hear the difference? Balaam should have said, I will not do that because I love the Lord. Suddenly, instead of God choosing for him, I can't do this because God won't let me. That's legalism. Saying to, I will not do that because I love the Lord, suddenly he's operating in bondage, operating in freedom. You see the difference? You see... You, I, I can say, I can't look at that woman in lust. Because Jesus said, if I look at a woman in lust, I commit adultery with her in, her mind, in my mind. That's, that's what he says. That's not my words, his words. So I can't do it. Or, or, I don't want to do that because I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength. And I don't want to violate anything. I don't want, I don't want to hurt him. Because I love him, and I don't want to hurt my wife because I love her. Suddenly, I'm operating in grace. I'm operating in freedom. I'm choosing to honor the Lord with my decision instead of being restrained by the law. And we have Christians, and, and probably some of us today, operating in I can't. We're operating in legalism. The only thing that's keeping you from doing it because you really want to do it is the Word of God. But that's going to stunt your maturity in God because God wants to grow you to the point where you don't want to do things that violate him because you love him. Balaam, serve the Lord. He was used by God and didn't love the Lord. He didn't love people. He loved money. And because he truly wanted to go, God allowed him to go. And God won't violate your free will. 
God didn't change his mind on Balaam. He didn't want him to go the first time. He didn't want him to go the second time. Hence the angel. And then Balaam, he had a false repentance. Oh, I've sinned against the Lord. If it really bothers you, I'll go back. That's not repentance. Balaam wanted to go. Did he say what the Lord told him to say? For sure he did. But he shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with because Balaam didn't love the Lord. We love the Lord with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our strength. And we love people. We love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the foundation. And when we love God, when we love God, I don't want to do things. I choose not to do things because I love God. And why do I love him so much? We sing about it today. Because God loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to earth through the womb of a virgin to live 33 years on this planet. 30 years of preparation for three hours. Three years of ministry for three hours of purpose on a cross. For three days later to be raised from the dead in our place. Because he went to the cross in our place. We can have a relationship with the Lord. And we can experience the overwhelming love of God. I love God because he loves me. I don't want to violate him. I, I love people because God loves me. But as long as we're operating in legalism, as long as we're having the Balaam spirit of I can't or God won't let me, it's going to stifle the Holy Spirit's work in your life. We've got to choose. I love God. That's the motivation for everything I do. And God loves me, so I love God. Judas Iscariot, you guys know that name? One of the 12 apostles that Jesus called. Um, a lot of, I mean, Judas is even in pop culture today. Um, when anyone betrays anyone, they say, you're a Judas. Because we know, what did Judas do? He betrayed Jesus at the Last Supper. But I want you to understand something. Judas healed the sick. Judas cast out demons. Judas multiplied. Like, like he took the bread from Jesus and fed the 5,000 men. Judas saw the little girl be raised to life. Judas saw Lazarus be raised to life. Judas partook in communion when Jesus said, this is my body on that first communion, the Lord's Supper. And this, is my, and this bread represents my body. This, this cup is, is, is my blood. Ju Judas was a part of that. Judas was there when Jesus got up and Jesus washed Judas's feet. Judas was sorry that he betrayed Jesus. Judas threw the money back at the priest. He was sorry. And Judas is burning in hell. Used by God powerfully. Called by God. Got to see God do some of the greatest miracles. But he fell out of love with, with God. Jesus was, wasn't 
cutting it anymore. He, he quit loving Jesus. And we're, I believe we're on the, a catalyst moment of a move of the Spirit. And there's a hunger in the church for a move of the Spirit. And right out the gate, we have got priority number one to love the Lord our God with all our heart. we got to keep our first love our first love. We have got to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you another section of scripture real quick. It starts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is how crucial love is. Paul in chapter 12, the apostle Paul, he writes to a church that is experiencing a move of God. And he's telling them to seek the gifts of the Spirit, to seek the gifts of healing, to seek the gifts of prophecy, to seek the gifts of miracles, to to seek the gifts of tongues. He's telling them, you need to seek these. You need to go after these. These are gifts of the Spirit to the church for the edification of the church, to win the lost. We need these at work in our body, Not, not just our physical body, but the body of Christ. We need the gifts of the Spirit. We need to be hungry for the Spirit of God to move. We've got to, especially now more than ever, where the enemy is raising his head. He's not even hiding it anymore. We got to have the Holy Spirit. But in all that, the whole chapter 12, he's talking about going after the gifts, how they're beneficial. He's telling us, he's telling the church, you got to have this. And the last verse of chapter 12 says this So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. These are the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of prophecy, the gifts of healing, the gifts of miracles. I mean, like the gifts of tongues and interpretation. I mean, he's telling them to go after them. But he said, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. The foundation to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. He gets in to verse 1. Listen to this. If I could speak in all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I could understand all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith, the gift of faith, that's another one he says we got to have, that could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed, some translations would read, sacrifice my body to the flame. So literally to be killed as a martyr, sacrificed my body as a martyr, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then we get into what everyone knows. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Our, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. 
But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew, I put childish things away. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. These three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I believe... I'm going to prophesy for a second over what I believe that God is going to do in this church. I believe that we're going to see such a move of the Spirit in this church that people are going to travel here to be healed. I believe that people are going to walk in carrying on crutches and carrying them out. I believe that they're going to walk, be pushed in on wheelchairs, and they're going to be pushing their wheelchairs out. I believe that type of move is going to happen through this church, not just in this building, but out as we, as we, if, if the move of God stays in this building, it will die in this building. But as we, the church, are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, because it's not about me praying over people, it's about us operating in the gifts of the Spirit that he gives us freely. I believe that that's going to happen. But as it happens, our priority, number one, is to love God and love people. We can't get that mixed up. It, I, I just, I've seen and I've heard too many testimonies of churches that God poured out mightily, but then the pastors burn out and quits ministry or this and that because they fell out of love. Somehow they thought they could do it. Somehow they thought it was all about them. It's not. It's not about this church. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. The Holy Spirit seeks to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And Jesus seeks to bring glory to the Father. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring us to Jesus. And Jesus wants to bring us to the Father. That's the end game. It's all for His glory. Not for ours. So that's why the foundation for revitalization, the foundation for a move of the Spirit, a hunger for the Spirit, is because I love God. I want everything God has for me. God has so much more than what we are willing to accept. God wants to pour out His Spirit in us. God wants that, but we can't want it to want it. I want what God has for me because I love God, and He wants it for me. Thank you, Jesus. I get excited about this. <laughs> I, want, I want us as a church to want what God wants for us. And here in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to seek the Lord. To seek the Lord. We're going to ask him for a fresh outpouring of his spirit. Some of us need to be baptized in the spirit for the first time. Well, what is baptism? When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into you, and he is in you. But imagine you have a cup. Use your imaginations for a moment. I know that's hard the older you get, Amy. Um, oh, I can't say that. I'm just joking, Phil. Um, but imagine you have a cup, and 
you pour, you, you fill it up with water, okay? It's filled to the brim, filled to the brim. That's what happens upon salvation. The Holy Spirit comes in you, and he gives you the power to live righteously. The Apostle Peter says everything we need to live a holy life has been given to us through Christ Jesus. He's a baptizer. He sends the Spirit to us to live righteously. What the baptism is, is Jesus keeps pouring. And suddenly what's on the inside is on the outside. And it just keeps pouring. It keeps running over. So suddenly that water is on the outside. And the power of the Holy Spirit becomes more available and easier to access because it's on the outside. Can a person that's not been baptized in the Holy Spirit lay hands on the sick and, and they recover? 100%. For sure. Because they're a Christian, they follow Jesus. But the power is more available and easier to access. And three times in, in, in the book of Acts, that power, we, we, we quote Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you will receive power to become witnesses. That word power there in Greek is deutimus. And it's associated with dynamite. That's where we get the word dynamite from. And it's associated with boldness to be a witness three times in the book of Acts. But over a dozen times, that same word power, dunamis, is associated with miracles. When we are baptized, I believe that miracles should follow our life. Jesus said these signs follow those that believe. Lay hands on the sick, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak. That's supposed to happen in the Christian's life, not for pastors, not for um, super spiritual people. There's not a super spiritual person. We're, we're, we're not monks. We're all followers of Christ together in this. And God wants to use us all equally. We're all part of one body. <laughs> not one part's more important. In fact, some parts get more honor. I know this, that I, I don't get as much honor as people who do things behind the scenes because I'm seen all the time. I know that, but what I'm getting at is we're one body and God wants to use us all equally for his kingdom and his glory. And it is a good thing to seek the power and everything that God has. Well, how do you know God has it for me, the baptism of the Spirit? Because he says so. Through the prophet Joel in the Old Testament... And then Peter turns around and says it again on the day of Pentecost. He says, this promise is for everyone, for all who believe, for, for your children's children, for the young, for the old. He goes through it all. It's for everyone. Well, that's just not my gifting. Well, what if, what if we put denominational differences aside for a second? Because I know, I know there, there are some people that were, raised a million different ways. And I'm not going to knock anyone. We all have different understandings, and we're all trying to understand the Word of God. That's the reality of it. But what if we put it aside for a second and say, Jesus, I want everything you have for me. And earnestly seek Him. There's not a formula. There's nothing. It's just to say, God, I want what you want for me. And seek him. And some of us here today, we need a fresh, a fresh outpouring. 
We're, we're not overflowing anymore like we should. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church, and he says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. And I want you to see this. This is so powerful. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you. Dunamis. It's the same word. It's that it's a Holy Spirit power. It's that dynamite power that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So, once again, the foundation for a move of the Spirit is God's love. God empowers us to let God's love grow into us through His Spirit. And may you have the dunamis, same word, power to understand. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to understand the love of God for us. As all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. The Holy Spirit empowers us to scratch the surface. Without the Holy Spirit, you couldn't understand. He gives us power to understand the love of God first. Then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power. God wants to pour out his power on us through the Holy Spirit that comes from God. So, how we're going to respond today. How we're going to respond today. If you're, if, you're, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God through Him. And if you need to accept Jesus, it's as simple as, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come cleanse me. And I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again. It's really that simple. And at that moment, God starts to change you. God loves you. God loves you. Period. End of story. That's it. God loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. I believe there are some people in this room right now that have been running from God their whole life. And you're like, I just listened to a message about the power of the Holy Spirit, but here we are. There's an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He loves you so much. You can bring him everything. Some of you guys might feel, I don't feel worthy. I've done so much. That's why he went to the cross. Jesus died. Jesus died for all sin. There's not one thing that you've done 
You've never, you can't out the grace of God. And he wants a relationship with you. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you in a moment to step forward. The rest of us, I, I, I just want to put out this challenge. I want to take a moment to search our heart. I want to ask us, God, am I operating in legalism in my life? Am I, am, am, am I being restrained by what I can't do, or am I choosing to love you with everything? Because if, if you're being restrained, we need to sh- make a shift in our mind to say, God, I want to love you with everything, because that's the foundation. Lord, help me love you. So I, I, I just want all of us to take a moment right now, before we come to the front, before we respond, I want us to take a moment right now to say, God, Am I loving you with all my heart? And, and, and if he says, no, you're not, just say, God, forgive me. I choose to love you. It's really that simple. And I believe that you're going to find some freedom. Let's just take a moment individually. operate in grace, we choose to say, God, I want what you want, and I love the things you love. That means we hate the things that he hates. There are things that God hates. He hates sin. He hates hates injustice. Some of us are tolerating things in our life that God doesn't like. And it goes back to just Jesus, I love you, and I don't want to do things that violate that. And the last thing I want to do, let's stand. Let's stand. It's easier to respond as we stand. I believe that God is going to do something here in a moment. But if you're here today and you say, you know what, Ryan? I, what, what I want is I just want what God wants for me. I want you to respond. Some of us need to say, God, I want a fresh outpouring of your spirit in me. I want us to respond. Let's ask him. Let's not be lackadaisical and let's just say, oh, I can receive it in my chair. No, let's take a step of faith because I want to lay hands on you. I want to pray with you. We want to pray. If you are here today and you never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and you're saying, oh, well, I'm wrestling with this. There's not a formula. It's not going to be weird. I dare you to respond and just say, Holy Spirit, I want what you want for me and see what happens. I know that Pentecostal churches get a bad rap and people coach you through everything. That's not going to happen today. I can't baptize you in a single thing. You know, I can hold you underwater. But Jesus is the baptizer. Jesus is the one that says, I will send my spirit. Jesus. And I dare you to come forward and say, Jesus, I want what you want for me. And see what happens. If you're serving today and you need and and and, and you need that, I, I, I want you to leave your, your post and I want you to come forward. We need a fresh outpouring. So I'm just going to invite you down. 
Like, if you, if you just want a fresh outpouring of the Spirit, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I, I invite you to move right now. If you need a relationship with Jesus, I invite you to move. Let's go. As Pastor Ben starts to move, as starts to lead, I want you to leave your seats if you're feeling the Holy Spirit lead you. Just right across the front. Blessings fall on me and 
Father, have your way right now. some of us are just afraid maybe you're new to um, anything like this but some of us are afraid God's not here to bite you God's not here to hurt you God's here because he loves you and he has so much for you I'm just going to pray because I really feel that there are more people that God wants to minister to. And you're nervous, you're afraid, and I'm just going to pray that the peace of God comes and that courage comes. The step of faith, always the first step is always the hardest, but God has more for you. Father, I pray right now against fear in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray against every lie that's been spoken in the minds of people. And I pray that your truth will prevail and that you will empower us with boldness and courage to respond to how you want us to respond, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And God is here to meet with us today. He's here to meet with us. And I, I don't want us to walk out of here the same way we walked in when the Holy Spirit's saying, I'm here. I'm here. I don't want us to be stiff-necked that we don't respond to what he wants. And I don't want to force anything. I, I just, I think it would be such a tragedy in the presence of God to walk out the same way we walked in. Holy Spirit, have your way. We welcome you to do what you want to do. In the name of Jesus. Jesus.